Now there's people going, I want the rain to fall on my enemies. Why? If rain falls upon them, they might grow. <laughs> I'm trying to work out whose lyric that is because I'm <laughs> thinking... Stormzy. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> they I'm might grow. You, Stormzy, <laughs> That's don't brilliant. make the rain fall upon your enemies. Because <laughs> of course, they, they will get bigger because rain make things grow, you know. That's amazing. Right? I met a young lady who could sing very high notes and I gave her a song. And she sang it, and we scaled the charts of it. And that young lady's name was Janet Kay, and the name of the song is Silly Games. Wow. I've got goosebumps. Rude Boys were um, supposed to be out of work, up to no good most right. of the time, yeah. right? And um, We call them roadmen now. Roadmen, though. <laughs> yeah. Roadmen. Yeah, we've, we've updated Rude Boys to, to Roadmen. To road no, a waste man. Waste man is a, something else. A waste man is a waste man. Okay, yeah, no, we, we give credit to the Rude Boys and the Roadmen. They're, right. they're doing something. We may not agree, but they are doing something. Whereas okay, the waste men are doing absolute. They're doing zilt. What's going on, everyone? In this episode, we'll be looking at the power of ska, reggae and dancehall and the massive influence that Jamaican musical culture has had on our scenes and styles here in the UK. Afrobeat, hip hop, lovers rock, jungle, UK garage, grime, Afro swing. With its fusion of Caribbean, African and American sounds all served with a UK twist, Britain can claim to be black music's most innovative hub. This is Sounds of Black Britain. When My Boy Lollipop became a massive pop hit in 1964, it changed UK music forever. Recorded by Jamaican teenager Millie Small, the song ushered in the arrival of a new sound on the world stage, ska. By the time Desmond Decker's Israelites became the first reggae song to reach number one in the UK in 1969, Jamaican music was proving itself to be truly pioneering, influencing everything from fashion to culture to spirituality and slang for black and white Britons of all backgrounds. Joining me to discuss the power of ska, reggae and dancehall is the legend Dennis Bovell. I'm Nigerian. All I do is raise my voice. Now wow. Now wow. I did for that. Oh wow. Ah, oh, you did. I did. <laughs> I worked with Fela Kuti. Uh, the great Nigerian composer mm. and uh, father of Afrobeat. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I recorded several of his um, songs in my studio in London in the sick. 80s. He came uh, specifically to work with me. Mm. And we went to Amsterdam to record um, Movement of the People, part two. Seriously? And when we'd finished recording and come back to London to do the mix, there were some noises that I couldn't get rid of, especially on the bass guitar. Yeah. There was a buzz. Like that fella was livid. He wanted to go back to Amsterdam and kill the guy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? La juki yai for that. You know, and um, he, he, he was so mad that I said, look, I'll replay that. He went, you play the bass? 
to, I've done it a few times before. <laughs> and then I took the bass and redubbed the bass part for this tune. And at the end of it, I didn't expect any credit or anything, but mm. I'm very glad that they did credit me because now if I say to people, I played bass on that record, I go, where's your name? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it <laughs> And um, so I, they put, yeah, bass, Dennis Bovell. Do you know what I've noticed? Mm. The, the elder Caribbean community... Well, well in and, tune with and, Africa. Yes, so yeah. much. It was only my generation that, that it felt as if Africans, I don't want to say Africans, Nigerians or Ghanaians were not close with West Indians and Caribbean yeah. people. Yeah. Because whenever I speak to my elders, there's no, there was no separation yeah, at yeah. all. I know. My father had lots of Nigerian friends. In fact, when I told my dad I was going to be working with Fela, it, yeah. was, it was like, mm, now you're working with some, <laughs> you know, quality music. He was giving you respect at that like, point. Yeah, yeah, you've made it, my son. Wow. Working with Fela, you know. And That's crazy. When Fala came to the door of the studio, he said, is this your studio? I said, yeah. He said, is your own studio? I said, mm -hmm. yeah, so let's go. Because he'd never been in a studio that was um, black run or okay. black owned. You know, he'd been in Abbey Road or the EMI, sort of the white coat people, mm -hmm. you know. And um, he wanted me to uh, be his engineer. Since 1959, the West End of Kingston, Jamaica, has throbbed with a musical beat. A hypnotic sound of surging excitement and power. People hearing it became caught up in a frenzy and couldn't help moving to this pulsating, almost religious beat. This is Cat. Music became the genre of choice for young Jamaicans in the 1950s. A fusion between traditional mento sounds and local interpretations of the American R&B tracks that were blowing up radio stations across the Caribbean. Ska was a dance music full of energy. As the 1960s progressed, the sound slowed down. The drums and bass come into the fore and reggae was born. Reflecting the challenges and opportunities of independence from Britain and growing influence of Rastafarianism, reggae became infused with pan-African political and spiritual messages wrapped in a spirit evoking the motherland, aka Africa. There's so much inside your brain. I want to just extract it. Oh, really? I do. They're just like your memories, your just your experiences in your life. They just sound incredible. I could listen to you talk well, forever. Well, after 50 years of being in the music business, um, <clears throat> I've come across quite a few different people. I can imagine. Different things. I can imagine. Can we talk about, and now, because we've spoken off mic, mm. I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I want to say ska, but you pronounce it. Ska. Ska. So let me tell yeah. you my version of ska, and you're going to say, no, Julie, you're living in a different realm. Growing up, my parents listened to reggae. Reggae, probably still to this day, is one of my favourite genres of music because mm -hmm. of my parents. And so when I heard ska, to me, I'd heard it in pop culture. So Lily Allen, for example, she was making ska-type music. Mm -hmm. That was how I heard it. So I had no idea the backstory the, you know, the history. Coming from Jamaica. Exactly. I didn't know this. So this is where I'm going to lean on you. 
Okay, well. Very lovely. And ask you to give me the actual origins of ska and where it came from. Well, in Jamaica, they listened a lot to shortwave radio. Okay. From the US. And um, they would then take songs that they'd heard and change the beat. Mm. So um, a pop song, instead of um, four beats to the bar, they would accent beat two and beat four. So And it was about the time when Jamaica was becoming independent. And Fats Domino, a famous Fats Domino from New Orleans, mm. was a frequent visitor to Jamaica. And um, his way of playing that... was then kind of taken in by the the Jamaican music lovers Mm. and music uh, recordists and presenters and record companies who were searching for a new identity for their newly independent country. Okay. Right? So this beat became their beat. Right. So the and it was it 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 had different tempos, faster, slower, but the emphasis on beat two, one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four, you know, in the the gap kind of, and so that became known as ska, and a famous group that played that style was a group called the Scatterlights. And they went around the world playing that. And they were seasoned musicians who could touch anything classical, jazz, mm. uh, pop, blues, you know. And, and they incorporated that feeling, that tempo, right. that mood into their music. So they became famous for that. In, it was, uh, you know, a Jamaican phenomenon. Could you paint a picture of what a ska party or congregation you know we talk about how Notting Hill Carnival came to be and how these different things happened what was ska like at that time what were people doing were they going to parties were they listening at home where was that music mostly celebrated well it was mostly celebrated in the streets okay uh, because came the phenomenon of the sound system where huge great big loud music Mm. would be coming out of there and um, there were two predominant producers in Jamaica, one by the name of Cox and Dodd mm-hmm. and the other one by the name of Duke Reed. And um, they would then make these tunes and their followers would, you know, popularise them. Mm-hmm. And then when the coming of the Rude Boys now. Yes. Right, Rude Boys were um, supposed to be out of work, up to no good most right. of the time, yeah. right? And, um, we call them roadmen now. Roadmen, no. <laughs> yeah. roadmen. Yeah, we've, we've updated Rude Boys to, to, road, to roadmen. No, a wasteman. Wasteman is a, something else. A wasteman is a wasteman. Okay, yeah, no, we, we give credit to the Rude Boys and the roadmen. They, they're right. doing something. We may not agree, but they are doing something. Whereas okay, the wasteman yeah, yeah. are road doing absolute. They're doing zilch. They're on the road. <laughs> <laughs> they're mad out the road. <laughs> so yeah, sorry to cut you. So the Rude Boys came through. The Rude Boys came through, and um, it was it was a cult that. Uh, people were anxious to get rid of. Okay. So um, they loved Scar. 
So they weren't making music, but they were just followers they were just of followers the sound. Of it okay. And dancing to it, and you know, putting you know, putting the fear of God in other people. Okay, fine. For um, other reasons, mm. some of them, the music facilitated by um, speaking to the rude boys, mm. and uh, one tune um, by Dandy Livingstone was. Um, this is a message to you, Rudy. Yeah. Right? I love this song. Ba, ba, da, ba, da, da. Wait, yeah. so hang on. This is a message the, to you. The is specials it, covered that. You... Oh, covered see, I was that, hearing but... some bootleg versions. No, the the original version of that song is yeah. by a man called Dandy Livingstone. The song's called "Message to Rudy." Okay. And another performer by the name of um, Prince Buster. Mm. He uh, set himself up as Judge Dredd. Yes, yeah, yeah. So on record, he would sentence these rude boys to 400 years and 500 lashes. Yeah. You know, for doing robbery with intent. And, okay. And, you know, it would be, and the rude boys would be going, <laughs> he's going, rude boys, hush up, don't cry, rude boys, don't cry. You know what I mean? And it, it was a whole court scene. By but Prince within Buster, the music. But within the music. Crazy. Right? And then the music started to change with a man called Desmond Decker mm-hmm. and the Aces. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Desmond Decker slowed down the tempo of Ska uh, with a song called 007, which okay. is the James Bond. Bond, yeah. Like 007, right? Yeah. And that song, 007. Ocean's Eleven. And the tempo was, you know, going slower and drifting towards what then became Rocksteady. Okay. Now, whereas Scow was more of a solo dancing thing, Mm -hmm. Rocksteady was couples dancing. Okay. Closer, Mm -hmm. cheek to cheek, side to thigh. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then the music stayed there, and it was called Rocksteady. Right. And then uh, a man by the name of Alton Ellis Mm. became what was known as the godfather of Rocksteady. And his most, one of his most famous tunes is, um, I'm still in love with you. Yeah. Okay. So that was originally a Rocksteady tune? That's a Rocksteady tune. Okay. And then out of Rocksteady came what we now know as reggae. So for those who are following along, I would need you to give us some of those big names. So where did Bob Marley, let's go for the biggest, where did Bob Marley fit in this timeline that you're giving us? Well, Bob Marley was always on the fringe of the scathing because okay. he recorded for Studio One. Studio One was the large, big recording company mm-hmm. in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So Bob and the Whalers, well, they were called the Whalers, mm. then, they went to Studio One and recorded some stuff there. But they were not the top group, you know. They were, you know, making their way mm-hmm, to the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they actually got there until it became reggae. Right. And um, he started working with Lee Scratch Perry. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, Lee Scratch Perry had had a set of musicians that he called the Upsetters. Okay. And they hit number one spot in the UK Several times. One of their most famous number ones is a song called Return of the Django. 
Okay. Right? And, um, yeah, Django. <laughs> Return of the Django, right? You know someone sitting there thinking, Django? Wasn't that a film by Quentin yeah, Tarantino? Be- You're like, before no, before that, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Return of the Django. See, because Django has always been a story about a black cowboy. Mm-hmm. And Return of the Django um, is, ironically, the song that's used by HMRC to remind people... What? who are self-employed yeah, to, to turn do their in tax their return. tax returns by the end of January. <laughs> How are you going to ruin a song with that? Such, such well, negative energy. I don't, I don't know. need that uh, in my life. Like, I don't want to hear a song and think, ah, oh, I should do my tax returns now. Can we go back actually to when you're talking about number ones? Because there's something that we still celebrate today mm-hmm. um, within this generation of artists as well. It's something that we see a lot more in terms of number one albums and number one singles. Yes. But take us back to those first number ones from the ska moments and when you're hearing music in the UK that's a number one song what were some of those big well the big first hits? big one was My Boy Lollipop by um, Millie Small mm-hmm. and I remember um, being very proud of that yeah because that's the the beat that I love you know and at school right people are going what's this I'm going number one <laughs> It's a number one single, I'll have you know. And just so people understand, what was number one at that time? What were some of the other songs? Not in Sky, not not from Jamaica. What would be some of the songs that... The Beatles would have been there. Right, exactly. Probably She Loves You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is is a completely different sound to what everybody's mm -hmm. used to hearing. Yeah. What were some of the um, the other number ones? Desmond Decker. Mm Mm-hmm. Israelites. Yes. Now, that's when it had moved into reggae. Back in ska time, in ska times, back in ska times, were people moving to the towards the culture as well, or was it just the music? Yeah, in the because UK? Um, the skinheads. Yeah. Took ska to be their own. Oh, okay. The original skinheads who were not thought to be racist. Mm-hmm but thought to be emulating the culture of Jamaica and right. wearing the same kind of clothes as the Rude Boys right. and loving the ska, you know. Um, then another set of boys decided that they were going to be skinheads and brought the racial thing into it. But, okay. I mean, from when I was at school, um, English boys that were interested in Jamaican or Caribbean music mm. went out and bought the records okay. and started to learn the lingo. I mean, that's how groups like Madness yes. evolved, yes. groups like The Specials mm-hmm. and groups like Police, yes. groups like Culture Club, you know, all these people that... Loved that beat, yeah, because it was in fa- and and wanted to do it themselves. I'd love to speak to you now about the UK. Mm. Um, it's a place that I was born in, a place that I've grown up in. My parents are Nigerian, but I've spent the majority of my life here, and I've seen what happens when we hear music, we interpret it in our own way, um, and you see communities of people coming together, and whether they're making the music or dancing to it, or you know, set up making parties and curating lineups and bands and stuff. I've found that the UK is a really great place for celebrating music yeah. and really coming together and enjoying it in a way that feels euphoric and exciting. I agree with um, you. We've seen recently with the Windrush generation mm-hmm. about how they've been treated in the UK in a way that... I'm one I'm, of the Windrush generation. In a way that a lot of us... Thank you for, for sharing that because there's a, a lot of us sit here and we think this is... We're a generation of people that have always come together mm. and we've always held ourselves in a regard of 
that we are united. Mm. We don't find ourselves to try and separate from other people. Like I said, the elder generation for us, we come together wherever we're from. So I'd love to hear how the Windrush generation came together when Ska was coming over here. How were they uniting? How were they celebrating the music? Be happy to hear that from you. My father came to this country to work for London Transport. Okay. He's posted here as a bus conductor. My mother came to this country to work in the NHS as a nurse. Mm. Their friends, uh, colleagues, came from all over the world. So all these people that had the same employer, either the NHS or London Transport, had to find ways of entertaining themselves Mm -hmm. because... Um, a lot of them were not being allowed into the nightclubs yeah. of London. And so they came up with this phenomenon, which is called the blues dance. And so the party would shift from house to house. It was like it's house parties, you know, and it, some who, whoever was keeping the party for whatever reason would roll the carpets back, you know, put the uh, nice furniture away, you know, open the two the two rooms on the ground floor mm-hmm. or maybe in the basement and have a party, right? Their white friends or their English friends who loved, a, you know, a glass of beer and a shot of rum and, and <laughs> loved the music and, yeah. and seeing us enjoy ourselves, a lot of them came along and a lot of their children right. you grew up having their parents listen to that kind of music. Give us your your feelings, your thoughts about music today, about the music culture we have today and how it relates. What are some of the similarities that you see between now and then? Well, um, for me, I thought that females were lacking in the genre, mm. reggae. Speak. Reggae was... Speak, um, Brother Dennis, speak. <laughs> No, reggae was heavily male. Yes. And uh, the ladies were just there to provide a little hoo-ha-ha back in vocals. Yeah. And when a lot of them were more than capable of taking the microphone and taking the lead part, right. I noticed that we didn't have a Diana Ross in the reggae field. We had, but we didn't have one that was celebrated. Mm-hmm. We didn't have um, Aretha Franklin so I set out to write songs for females. Right. And um, soon, producers, namely a guy called Lloydie Coxon, who was the, uh, the boss of Coxon Sound, invited me into the studio because he had an idea to do a reggae version of a soul song right, called Caught You in a Lie. So we went into the studio and a young girl by the name of Louisa Mark sang a song, the song, Caught You in a Lie. You said he was your cousin. Oh, but I found out that he wasn't. Cause cousins don't kiss, especially like this. Oh, I'm afraid I caught you in a lie. Right? And that song was originally a guy singing it to a girl, but we turned it round so a girl could sing it to a guy. And then it became very, very popular for our generation, right? 
And it was the beginning of our generation's invention, Lovers Rock. Right. And um, we started making songs where girls were singing. Mm. And um, it was all about love songs, you know. It was a good love or a bad love or a stale love or a fresh love or, you know, love, right? Mm -hmm. And it caught on because then out of the woodwork came all these females go, I can sing too, you know. And then um, after an audition, picked out three girls uh, who called themselves Brown Sugar. Mm. The most famous of those three girls is Karen Wheeler who went on to sing with Soul to Soul, you know, back to life, yep, back yep. to reality. Yeah. And um, she started at the age of 15 in that Lover's Rock 15. band. She was 15, yeah. Oh. And then um, I met a young lady who could sing very high notes, and I gave her a song, and she sang it, and we scaled the charts of it. Uh, that young lady's name is Janet Kay, and the name of the song is Silly Games. Wow. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> That's insane. Can we talk quickly about City Games? Yeah. At the time, just give me, honestly, how many years did you think that track had in it? I didn't know it would last till now, but I certainly <laughs> hoped it would. Um, when I was constructing it, I was constructing it to hit the charts. So I, I made up this drum pattern, right? and uh, the hi-hat pattern was like soca, Music, mm -hmm. right? Or high life. Yes. Where the high hat is very, right? Yeah. And the snare pattern was Afrobeat. And then I had disco beat on the kick drum. Yeah. So I had all those three styles mixed up in one beat. And then I had to find a drummer who could play it. So I called my good friend Drummy Zeb from Aswad. I said, Drummy, I got a pattern for you. Went, Let me hear it. Whoa, magic, man, magic. And he goes, Give me that. And he got on it and played it fantastically. Wow. He owned it to the tune of where, um, before the song goes out to them, to play your silly games. Before silly games. Right? Mm -hmm. The man started going, <laughs> I thought, who's this? <laughs> you know, what's this? It's a pop tune. What are you doing? I don't want that. I want, I want you to keep it straight. And then when I said, let me listen to it anyway. And I listened to it and something inside said, you know what, Dennis? This is it. That is it. Mm. That's what makes the tune, takes it out of the reggae vein mm -hmm. and slams it back into the pop vein and then back into the back reggae. Back into reggae. So when it came to... <laughs> Imagine making a song that you can't actually sing yourself. That must be so frustrating. No, no, no. I had to tell her how, how to sing that. <laughs> You're like... <laughs> not too bad. It's not too bad. It's all right. Dance hall is our everything. This is our workplace. This is our home. Dance hall is a culture. Dance hall is a movement. We all can achieve the same if we work together. Simple. Dancehall is an enjoyment. Dancehall is joy. Dancehall is happiness. Dancehall is all about proving and entertaining yourself 
and entertain people and make you feel happy. By the late 1970s, a newer, harder sound was coming through. Dancehall swept through Jamaica's streets and quickly went global. With its focus on rapid rhymes and digitally programmed beats, it was both a precursor to, and companion of, hip-hop's global ascent. And as new generations in the UK came to love and appreciate this innovative sound, the music influenced so much of what subsequently came to be here in Britain. I know a lot of the younger generation were very confused when Beanie Man said out loud that bashment is not a genre of music. We don't call me music bashment. That is a style and a culture. Dancehall is the genre of music. Dancehall is what we make. And what I we think he's to. right. Um, because they <clears throat> started out making uh, dancehall. It was people outside of um, the perimeter of playing that gave it that word bashment. Mm. Right? Um, I, get, I don't know what they wanted to bash. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why are you so funny? <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it's bashment. It? Who am I bash? But you know why it's so crazy, though? Uh. For me, growing up in London, I would say I'm going to a bashment party. Oh, you know, like we're listening to bashment music. That To the point that I used, I had to add it to my phone because my phone would always autocorrate it to basement. And I was like, yeah. no. My, like, I used to tell my phone off, like, you need to learn the word bashment. Like, this is a real thing. My parents are Nigerian. I've grown up around multiple different cultures and heritages. I don't have a, a part of my life where I'm, I don't speak to West Indians and I would never know. I am close friends with a lot of West Indian people. And we all called music and called parties bashment, bashment parties. So it's well, so that's interesting to hear. A London term. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. That might be something that started in one place. The place where the and music actually come from and has spread further. So give us dancehall. Give us what that means. Well, um, dancehall, in my mind, is um, the kind of music that you play in the dancehall. <laughs> right? That's why it's called dancehall. When did dancehalls become dancehall? Dance well, dancehall became dancehall when people like Frankie Paul... Um, would do songs that were only played in the dance hall. They weren't um, saleable because people didn't buy that. Oh. They went to hear it in dances, but nobody actually bought copies of it to have at home. Why? Do you know why? It was probably at a time when um, dollars now run. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we ain't got enough money to eat food, louder music. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, I mean, Frankie Paul used to refer to himself as Frankie Dancehall Paul. Right. Right. And um, it started around the time that people were using machines to play, especially the drums. Mm -hmm. Because there were so few good drummers around. Right, okay. Right, that machines made it better and easier for novices. And uh, people started making stuff in very small studios and even in their bedrooms. Would you say that's the biggest difference between reggae and dancehall? Is that the music was... More... Yeah, because um, dancehall is a branch of the reggae tree, I told you, right? But the branch of the reggae tree that is made 
predominantly by machines, right. drum machines, mm -hmm. and synthesizers or um, sequences. Right. Okay. You know, um, whereas uh, reggae people playing, you would have different sequences of the thing, but it's all man-made, mm. man-played. Mm. You know, as soon as the machines started and they started rifling, it became dancehall, right? Because um, people didn't buy that to take home. They listened to it in the dance hall. Bearing in mind, we've come from... The, the older generation yeah. being in their houses, yeah. listening to music Blue in their dance. houses. We then start moving into these live performances and you're seeing yeah. bands. You know, you can end yeah. up in a, in a band clash and see two That's bands playing right. against each other. And then we move into machines, synthesizers. You've got dance hall. It's in, I'd like to hear your opinion on what you think was making those changes. What was the causes for all of these things that were, that were evolving? First of all, um, lacking in lyric, right? Because a lot of these, they, they're Israel. talking cobblers, right? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> and um, that's why a lot of people wouldn't buy it to take home. And, and then they came the expletives, mm. you know, and um, the, the rudeness of some of it, right? Yeah. You wouldn't take that home and let your kids hear it. You might go out and hear it and leave it where you heard it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Because when I think about the genres that came after that, jungle, garage, grime. Hardcore. Hardcore. So different. To, Hardcore. Yeah, it's very different playing a reggae song at home to playing a jungle track. Absolutely. And it's, it is actually those two main things that yeah, really some of the expletives and the, the, the level of the language. Yeah. You don't want your kids hearing that. All of these genres are the evolution of black music whether oh, yeah. it's black british or wherever it's from it's black music and black and creation african creation did you see did you see the people change over time as jungle and garage and grime started of coming in? did you see the people changed. in the parties changing yeah they got younger was it that's very true what do you think led that was it the machines was it the i think the emceeing was uh, it the, the beat making of music appealed to them more than the older generation okay so the older generation took a back seat mm. and went, well, we've had our time. Have yours. Yeah. But don't cuss. <laughs> but please don't cuss. Yeah, don't cuss. Do you think there was a reason that we didn't see MC culture in reggae, in ska, in Rocksteady, uh, no, in no, Lover's no, no, Rock? No, 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 no. The MC culture was in reggae, very, and that's where it started. Right. With Uri, Iroi, Prince Buster... All them kind of people. Um, but do you feel like it was as prominent as it is in the music that we see today? Well, listen, it came from the American scat. Okay. Right? They go, hey, and that started there, right, in America. And then uh, in Jamaica, people who heard the same idea. And there was a group in America called The Last Poets. Right. Gil Scott Heron was one of them. Okay. And so the militants in Jamaica took that stance, you know, Ja, Rastafari, love your brother, Africa is the way forward. Mm. You know, those ideologies c came out of people talking. It didn't matter uh, if the person couldn't sing, mm. as long as they were saying something that people wanted to hear and right. the beat was nice. Right. 
So all these kids that are doing that now should know where that's coming from. It's funny as well, you say now that a lot of people are talking cobblers because when you look back at it, it was about you can only say something if you're saying something that has that's right. meaning. Now there's people going, I want the rain to fall on my enemies. Why? If rain falls upon them, they might grow. <laughs> I'm trying to work out whose lyric that is because I'm <laughs> thinking... Stormzy. Was it? <laughs> they I'm might grow. You, Stormzy. <laughs> That's Don't brilliant. make the rain fall by your enemies. Because <laughs> I suppose they, they will get bigger because rain makes things grow, you know. That's amazing. Right? <laughs> I don't think I'm the only person that feels that we've learned so much just from speaking to you um, and talking about these different genres of music and how they came about and how they've evolved into each other and how reggae is a tree, guys. Okay? Mm -hmm. Reggae is a tree and there Enough are many, many, many branches that come from the reggae tree. Yeah. Um I would love to hear your opinion just on the legacy of all of these things, on how you feel they have stood the test of time, on where yeah, you they feel we're going stood the in test. there. And I think they can only get bigger and fatter. Okay. Because as um, the youths get older and come up with different ideas and ways of how to entertain each other, mm. it can only get better. Do you feel that the youth of today... And in the way that we make music today, do you feel there's enough reference back to ska and back to reggae and back to dancehall? And um, I think would, would you like be, to see more? I like to see more reference to love, um, as opposed to war, mm. uh, because I mean, all these people are like, well, mash up them thing and kick down this and kill that and juke that with my knife on it. We should have no place for that in society, mm -hmm. right? Because those are horrible things. And who would want to go, yeah, I've been in jail, I'm out now, any man just with me, right, I want to deal with him, star, because you know what I mean, I don't mind going to jail. Lie. Mm. Who doesn't mind? Mate, you can't have a girlfriend in jail. Well, you could be someone else's girlfriend, but you can't. <laughs> it might not be the relationship that you want. Give me your top three reggae, dancehall, tunes that when you hear them no matter where you are you can't say silly games no matter where you are no matter what is going on those will get you up out of your seat Beres Hammond Double Trouble you picked that one very oh, quickly yeah. so that's number yeah, one that's my top tune okay cool Beres give me Hammond. two more Morgan Heritage ooh Down by the River okay yeah yeah and um, Alton Ellis I'm Still in Love Alton Ellis, I'm still in love. Yeah, I'm still in love. Baby. I feel like you were taking yourself back to the last time you were in a dance hall and you was thinking, what was this? What was the song that really? Yeah, that's when they kick off. And Barry Salmon kick off. And Margaret Heritage. Amazing. Kick off. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. So there you have it. You might have known a bit about reggae's impact on the UK and the world, but you've hopefully learned a lot more and connected the legacy that runs through to the current day. Massive shouts and big love to Dennis Bovell for dropping so many gems. Wherever you look, reggae and dancehall's influence can be felt. Whether in the wordplay of hip-hop MCs, the drum and bass lines of Jungle, the sound system setups of garage DJs, the clashing culture of grime, the slang of UK rap, the bounce and vibe of Afro swing, even the slang you speak, whatever your background. Jamaican music and culture really is a key component of it all.
Next time on The Sounds of Black Britain, we'll be focusing on the ladies and the massive role that black women have played in the music and cultures that we all love. It probably comes as no surprise that I'm super excited about that one, so I'll see you then. The Sounds of Black Britain podcast is brought to you by The Black Curriculum and produced by Unedited. Presented by me, Julie Adenuga. Our executive producer is Andrew Spence. The series producer is Sifa Inchi. Our assistant producers are Akeem Moore-Nickel and Bookie Fadipe. This episode was filmed by JJ Jemio. The series is written by Drew Christie. Our sound designer is Tony Onuchuku. <laughs> <laughs>